Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this program. Thank you for joining us once again. I forget how many years we've been doing this, but I particularly appreciate all of you that continue to let us know that you enjoy this program, and I hope that it's helpful to you. We're coming to you from the studios of the Coming Home Network International, and I'm joined today by my oldest son, John Mark, who's the uh, Chief Operating Officer of the Coming Home Network International. Welcome to the program, John Mark. Good afternoon. Before we jump into it, John Mark, why don't you just take a sec and let us bring us an update on what's been going on in the Coming Home Network lately? Sure. Well, there's just a couple of things I wanted to share today. Um, one is that uh, for many of you listening, especially uh, many of you who've been around the Coming Home Network for a long time, have received our mailings and, and different things, um, back in the day, for uh, was it about 10 years, Dad, we did what was called the Deep in History Conference. Yep. Um, and they were very popular conferences, and we, we ended up having to stop doing them because they were more than our, our small staff could handle. But a lot of really wonderful talks and connections and uh, memories came out of those those talks. They were great experiences. And we've always wanted to to dive back into that idea of deep in, deep in history. Um, and we're pleased to announce that actually this fall we will be doing our inaugural Deep in History pilgrimage to Italy. Uh, that pilgrimage will take place from September 23rd to October 4th. Um, and if you're interested at all in, in attending that pilgrimage for information about prices and the itinerary and all that, you can go to chnetwork.org slash pilgrimage. Uh, that's one. And then number two, if you are a convert or on the journey to the Catholic Church, um, we are also having our, our annual um, uh, Coming Home Network retreat in Columbus, Ohio this April. It's April, let's see here, April 29th through May 2nd. Uh, and again, that's if you go to our website, chnetwork.org, and uh, hover over the connection uh, drop-down menu, you'll see a, a page about the retreats there. Again, a couple great opportunities just to connect with other members of the network. Uh, a lot of what we do as the Coming Home Network is simply you know, bringing together people who have been through this journey before with people who are on the journey uh, so that we can connect and encourage each other in our faith. Thanks, John Mark. In the years of doing Deep in Scripture, uh, there have been a number of formats that we've followed. Often we look at the verses we never saw, and then more recently we've been looking at how Scriptures help us see that our walk with Jesus Christ is a long journey of continual conversion. It begins by becoming in Christ— it continues by abiding in Christ, and as a result of being in and abiding in Christ, we abound in Christ. And so there are scriptures that describe these variety of stages. They describe before we are in Christ, and then they describe how we become in Christ. They describe what happens if we don't become in Christ, we remain outside of his body. But they also call us to continue and abide in him. The scriptures talk about what happens if we don't continue and abide in him. But they also talk about if we do remain by grace in Christ, then we will abound. Sometimes we abound in challenges. In other words, suffering might actually be a part of our life to help us grow, to, as Jesus says in John 15, prune us so that we produce more fruit. But also we can abound in blessings. And hopefully by grace, the final blessing will be to enter through that narrow gate and into the beatific vision of God. 
So we have those verses that we never saw, or at least we saw in a different way before, and now we see them differently, or we have scriptures that talk about being, abiding, and abounding. And in a sense, John Mark, some of those overlap, because mm-hmm. we're going to look at a verse today that um, I think is a wonderful scripture, and it's, mm-hmm. com- it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And in a way, for many people, it may be a verse they never saw before in certain ways. But hopefully they'll see that this verse talks about what it means in our abiding in Christ. Now, what I'd like to do today, um, and John Mark, I'm setting you up. So I'm going (laughs) to talk first for a while. I'm going to give some background to this verse, and then I'm going to drop it into your lap and talk about, especially from your your perspective, how this scripture, what it means to you. Philippians is a wonderful book. It's a short book. You sh- everyone listening should at least once in your life, if not tonight, read it from cover to cover at one sitting. It's very easy. It's one of the more joyful books Paul wrote, even though he wrote the book when he was in prison. He was That's in, marvelous. Yeah, he's in chains. <laughs> so he's able to say what he is saying as a prisoner. So any of us with any anxieties in our life, and we listen to this, we realize, hey, Paul was writing this when he was in chains. And this chapter begins with Paul saying, therefore, my brethren, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. Now, I wanted to emphasize that, John Mark, before we got into the passage, because it's a reminder, Paul is writing to Philippian Christians He's not writing this letter to pagans. He's writing to people who were already in Christ by faith and baptism, who have already been challenged to grow in their walk with Christ and have already faced challenges. But he's challenging them that their continual journey requires standing firm in the Lord. And that's our call. That's what it means to abide to remain, to continue to stand firm. And then he goes on to verse 2 and says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And I ask you also, true yoke fellow, help these women, for they have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, what's interesting about that, folks, is these are Christians. And already in the first generation, we have divisions in the church. We have people that can't get along. They're in Christ. By grace, they've responded, and now they're a part of the body, but they can't get along. And and for eternity, in the New Testament, we have the names of these two people that can't get along. Imagine if if you were mentioned in the New Testament for all times, primarily because you couldn't get along with a fellow Christian (laughs) brother or sister. And it says their names are in the book of life. So there they are. So Paul calls the others in the church to pray for them that they can continue to abide in Christ, to live out how they're called to live. Now, again, as a background to this passage, and I'm going to ask you, John Mark, to talk about, in another book, Paul talks about in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. In other words, by abiding in Christ, continuing, 
as a vine on the as a branch on the vine of Christ, as he says in John 15, we will produce fruit. And so fruit come out of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And he says that that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. So this kind of fruit should be exuding from our lives. But here in this context, not only is Paul suffering as a result of his walk with Christ in great turmoil, but he's addressing Christians who their fruit ain't good. They can't get along. Mm -hmm. And so he gives advice. And that's how we enter into this passage that we're looking at for today. Very good. Did you say? Did you want me to read it? Yes. Okay. So Why don't you go is... ahead? You look, read the passage, and then, and then go ahead and and, uh, and lead us in our discussion. Sure. Okay. Philippians four four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, it's funny. The first thing that comes to mind when I when I read this passage is about two or three like Bible school songs that have been associated with different parts of this this particular scripture uh, passage. Because <laughs> you're right, Philippians is is such a, a cheerful book, such a hopeful book um, in the midst of, of Paul's suffering. So I guess, you know, one of the themes that, that came to me uh, with this verse, and you brought it up when we first began talking about it, is, you know, one of the continual mysteries of the spiritual life, which is this mystery of God's grace and our our choice, you know, uh, in, in any spiritual activity, any growth, uh, any development, is it is it what God's doing or is it something that we're doing? And there's a, always a bit of a mystery there because it's it's... It's a bit of both, and understanding that is a, is a, a lot of what Scripture sort of teases out in many in many places throughout the Bible is this mystery of the inter, interworking of God's grace in our will, and so even this notion of rejoicing, the the commandment here to rejoice, um, that's an interesting one because you know we have situations in which. Um, well, is rejoicing, is happiness, is feeling good, is that something that we choose or is it something that comes to us? You know, to rejoice in the Lord is that is the gift of rejoicing, is joy in the Lord, are those fruits of the Spirit, you know, the love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Are there things we do or the things we receive? And there's a great mystery here. And again, I think the the, the being, abiding, and abounding is a helpful uh, path to enter into that mystery because the key here is that it does all come from God leading into our action. But again, it comes out of our abiding in Christ with the Holy Spirit. That's why throughout Scripture we have this calling back to relying on God for our strength. Um, we, we, can, we can so easily get caught up in, you know, if, there's a, if there are problems, if there are challenges, we double down on our own efforts on depending on ourselves, you know, a, a mutual favorite scripture of ours, it's a favorite of mine precisely because it was a favorite of yours and I've heard it so many times throughout my life, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Yep. Trust in the Lord always. Um, uh, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So when, when going, the going gets tough, our tendency as humans is to, to pull back from God and rely more on ourselves. And that's where we get this disconnect that we need God's grace for us to be able to do what needs done. And so when times get tough, we need to rely on God more. And so, again, we have in this verse this exhortation to have no anxiety about anything. But when the going gets tough, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That really highlights, you know, one of the important aspects of prayer is that so much of the importance of prayer is is bringing us to rely on God. Um, you know, that's where we need to, to, to seek our solutions, to seek our strength is in God. And so that should be always be our first recourse, especially in suffering, is to go to God and seek our strength in Him. You know, the just as you've been saying, John Mark, that those nine things that Paul says are fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, he's saying in that passage, they come as a result of walking in the Spirit. Rather than walking in the flesh, he gives a list of that in early chapter 5 of Galatians, what it means to walk in the flesh. But if you walk in the Spirit, in other words, if you abide in Christ and walk by the Spirit that dwells within your heart as a result of being born of the water and the Spirit through faith and baptism, that these fruit will be produced in us. And he gives the list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, on the other hand, we can find plenty of verses in which each of those nine things, those nine fruits, are commands Mm -hmm. to love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here, rejoice in the Lord. Other places, make peace with -hmm. your neighbor. Be patient. Be kind. Be good. Be faithful, be gentle, have self-control. In other words, we are lots of places where they're commanded and then other places where they recognize their gift. And just as you've said, there's that mystery that I think is so uniquely Catholic, the Mm -hmm. mystery of the both and, not the either or. Because when we get caught up in the either or, that's when Christians get divided, Mm -hmm. as so so often happens apart from the teaching of the church. And in this particular case, we see the connection between the second and third of those fruits that Paul mentions, joy and peace, Mm -hmm. joy and peace. And here's an example where by willfully choosing to be joyful in the midst of anxiety, the promise is the fruit of peace will be the result. And it isn't just being glad, being Mm -hmm. happy. You're not commanding an attitude, because that that usually doesn't happen. That's usually difficult. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to do that. But (laughs) I can choose, well, how do I rejoice? How do do I be happy? In other words, Mm -hmm. rejoice in the Lord. So immediately your your expression is directed to God. Right. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And so immediately it's gratitude. It's, as it says later, thankfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the result of that is the fruit of peace. Right. 
I was thinking about, you know, to, you know, the fruit of the spirit of love the other day, you know, we have in Genesis when, when God creates all things and he, he looks at his creation and he says, it is good. We have this first expression of, I think one of the core aspects of what love is and which actually sheds some light on, on again, this, this mystery, mysterious both and of, of God's grace and our will. The core of love is an affirmation of the goodness of another. You know, and it, sometimes I think when we we think of our command to rejoice in God or to love God, we're thinking very humanly in, uh, in terms of what love is. You know, either that it's a very active, like I'm doing things for this person, which can be an expression of love, but is that really the core of love? Or we tend to think of, of love as purely an emotion. And again, certainly emotions sometimes accompany love, but not always. They're not what the core is. I think one of the core pieces of love that we see in God's example is an affirmation of the goodness of the other. So God looks at his creation and says, it is good. It is good that you exist. I have created you and you are good. When we turn around and look at God, I think even before we get to the, the point of doing things, you know, or, or and certainly before we necessarily are, are feeling things, as that's not always a, a given, we, we can turn our, our gaze towards God and affirm God's goodness. I think that's part of what it means to rejoice in God and who God is. And then by, by extension, we also discover our own goodness too, because if God is a good God, then his creation is good as well. And so we, we find our own dignity in the goodness of God, and we find the dignity of others in the goodness of God, and we find the hope in the goodness you know, of, what, of God's plan and his creation in our affirmation that our God is a good God. And that's, such, that's a small affirmation, but it's, it's powerful um, uh, because it, it unlocks, I think, the, um, you know, that, that ability to rejoice in God unlocks us to be able to, to receive his peace and be open to whatever the next steps are. When you ask somebody what the gospel is, mm -hmm. you get a lot of answers. Uh, many Catholics have a hard time giving a short answer because in, in the eyes of many Catholics, the gospel is very complicated. You know, it's, it's a long yeah. list. It's got, it's a thing called the catechism. So how do you summarize mm -hmm. it? But often people will say it's a four spiritual laws or a real quick mm -hmm. thing, or maybe even John 3.16, there's the gospel. But there's an aspect of the gospel that's right in the center of this passage that is absolutely essential. You really can't tell the gospel, and you can't express the fullness of the gospel without this particular passage. And it's something that Jesus continually emphasized through all of his, his teachings. Paul did, Peter did, James did, John did, every single one of them. Mm -hmm. and it's expressed at the end of verse 5 when Paul writes, the Lord is at hand. Mm -hmm. The urgency of the gospel, the urgency. Jesus, Paul, Peter, James, and John, in all their letters, in all the teachings, talked about the urgent anticipation of the fulfillment of time. Not just that we're living in the end times, but to anticipate and to live your life with the urgency that either he's coming again or you're going to face him face to face soon. Because mm -hmm. it's that kind of urgency 
that gives you the right qualification to therefore be able to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice because we believe the time is short. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so absolutely essential. In fact, I was reading this morning in Second Peter where he says, But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a, year, a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing toward you and not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will dissolve with fire in the earth, and the works that are upon it will be burned up. And, of course, now he's talking about the book of Revelations in a way. Mm -hmm. But the point is, this urgency is key. If we don't have that as a part of our Mm -hmm. understanding of our abiding in Christ, all the rest of this stuff will lose its urgency. That's why we are to have no anxiety about anything. Because we anticipate standing face to face with the Lord tonight, tomorrow. Right. And that's why in everything, with thanksgiving, we can set our prayers before God because we realize time is in his hands. Mm-hmm. And it may be short, and we're ready to reach him. Yeah, what a wonderful paradox. On the one hand, you know, being being uh, sensing the urgency of the gospel, running the race to the end. Um, you know, uh, recognize that the Lord is coming, the Lord is here, and so there's no time to waste on the one hand. On the other hand, um, the peace, the having no anxiety about anything, because it's not by, again, even even preparing the way of the Lord, it's not through our own strength, our own power, our own wisdom, our own goodness that we prepare the way of the Lord, you know, it's through abiding in the spirit that we receive those gifts. And so always the perennial the perennial call is to return to the the now, the sacrament of the now. The Lord is here. You know, if we're, if you're a baptized Christian, the Holy Spirit is in your heart. Those gifts are yours. And in the now, we 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 turn to God, we we return to God, and we ask for those gifts to be expressed, to be made manifest in us because the Lord is with us. That's the good news of the gospel. The Lord is here. But there's an urgency to get anything out of your life that is keeping you from being able to practice that sacrament of the now, of God's presence in the now. If you use the image of running a long race, mm-hmm. and so your desire is to win, which is the image of Paul, St. Paul, that he talks about earlier in the book of Philippians about running the race and forgetting what lies behind and pressing onward, and and that's in chapter 3. But imagine running a race and giving it your all, and you're already wore out. You're already feeling the anxiety of the race. And if you look ahead in this race, imagine two scenarios. One scenario is that the finish line is so far in the distance you can't even see it. When when that's Mm -hmm. the case, it's easy to get discouraged. Because it's easy to say, I can't keep this up. I can't keep this up. And so yeah. I can't love. I can't rejoice. I can't make peace. I can't be patient and kind and good. And fa- it, it, it's endless. Mm. On the other hand, when, you, when you're running that race and you see the finish line, you see it. It's there. Mm. Then you can say, okay, I can go for it. 
Right. It's when, when the, the urgency isn't just sitting on the edge of our seat, but it recognizing that it is in time, and it will be soon. Yeah. It's not forever because when it's forever, we can kick back and relax and watch, spend the rest of our life watching old episodes of Andy of Mayberry. <laughs> or we can recognize, no, there's the finish line, folks. It's right there. I can mm-hmm. see it. I can point to it. That's why he's saying the Lord is at hand, guys. He's not just beyond the horizon. He's here. And so rejoice. Now have no anxiety, but mm-hmm. now be prayerful. Now surrender to your life to Christ and to be intimate with him. And the peace of God, which is a gift, yeah. will be the thing that keeps you uh, running that race, mm-hmm. forgetting what lies behind, press onward again, to, pro- to quote from the, the chapter before. So I think that the urgency, the soonness, is yeah. critical to our to our walking in our faith with Christ. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, you know the objection that comes up into our heart is well but we do have a long race ahead. You know, I've got I've got years ahead of me. I've got tomorrow, I've got plans, I've got projects, I've got things I have to prepare for. There is plenty to be anxious about. Um so I I'm on the one hand I know that the Lord is here in the present moment, but I've still got a long race ahead of me. The problem is we don't know we never know that. I don't receive the gift of tomorrow until tomorrow has arrived. And the only way to get between where I am now and the moment of tomorrow or the future that I may be given is by my fidelity in the in the present moment. And the thing about, you know, if we if we recognize God what can we say about God? He's all good, he's all knowing, uh, and he's all powerful. And it's because of that, that throughout Scripture in verses like these or in the, the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 verse that we quoted earlier, that the Scriptures present us with this simple challenging equation, which is that it's only it's only if you trust in God and lean on his, his strength and not on yourself that the paths will be made straight. And so when we when we are tempted to worry and look at the future and say, but, but come on, God, I, I do have plans. I do have a long race. I do have a long life in front of me. I do have all these things lined up ahead. But we have to realize that he, that he has the perfect plan. He knew that we were going to be here. And so the step for us right now is what's the faithful step right now? And and trusting that, that he has seen the next step beyond that. And the way for us to be most prepared for that next step is to be faithful to this step. There was some, uh, Frank Capo runs of course, did a movie that all of us uh, uh, probably love, and it's a wonderful life, and we know that movie. But he did another movie, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a, a, a strangely theology. A lot of Capra's movies have some strange theology, yeah. though. It's, yeah. But he had one, <laughs> he had one movie originally called Heaven Can Wait, and it was originally about a boxer who was uh, training and was all ready to go into the great uh, championship, and then all of a sudden he dies. And he finds himself in heaven, and of course it was a mistake. They they had chosen the wrong guy, and so they're going to put him back into a different <laughs> body, and he's going to, you know. And so it's a fun, it's a fun. Oh, po- I remember that one. That remember was... that movie. And then it was yeah. done later with a football player. Okay, now it's bad theology, but there is something about the theology of making your plans, and then all of a sudden, no, that's it, that's it. And I I remember how difficult it was when I was a pastor, to minister to families who had lost a child 
or a teenager or a loved one, and they could not understand why God would would do this to them. They would often say, why did he do this to me when that person died? Mm-hmm. And after a while, when you, if, especially if it's a relationship you've developed with a person, you can talk to them. And often we get to the point and say, you know, it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we, we have to recognize that God, God's all got our lives in his hands. And none of us has a right to a long life, not a one of no one does, even a little child. No one has a right to a long life. What we have a right to do is to rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, in that moment, appreciate what we've been given. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it may be that God calls people home when he thinks it's the right time for them. Right. And maybe it was the best time for them. Maybe if they'd stayed longer, they would have faced challenges they couldn't handle. And so we are called to rejoice even in that. And the reason I think about that is that we might think we got our long lives ahead of us, and eh, we've got plenty of time. I don't need to. It may be that God said, you know, uh, this is the right time. And so are we ready for that right time in his timing when it is the Lord presently at hand in our life? And so all these things about rejoicing, being thankful, having no anxiety, experiencing at peace, keeping our hearts and minds in Christ, all of those things are what we are called to do now with the time we've been given, long or short. Right. Yeah, there's a a verse that shows up in the breviary uh, and morning prayer. I can't recall the the passage, but it it says something to the effect in my translation of uh, the Lord's patience is directed towards salvation. You know, our, our time, the, the gift of, of, of life, existence at all, as, as a spiritual being, uh, is an immeasurable gift. Uh, life on earth is a, a qualified gift. It has its ups and downs, but its, its purpose is for our salvation. And so that, that's where that, that mystery of, from, from the perspective of God, our time, our opportunities, they're worked into his plan for the salvation, uh, you know, his plan for for the whole, as, as well as his plan for us as individuals, and so that's where, again, we meet that in the in the mystery of of the moment, uh, in God's presence now is where we enter into that mystery, and, you know, we, we urgently rush to be present now, so that we're prepared for whatever lies ahead of us. The uh, I read earlier from Second Peter. And this may be the verse you're talking about, though I'm looking at a different translation. At the end of Second Peter, he says, Therefore, beloved, since you wait for these things to happen, in other words, while you're waiting for the day of the Lord, mm-hmm. be zealous to be found by him without spots or spot or blemish and at peace, and count the forbearance of our Lord as salvation. Mm-hmm. Count the forbearance of our Lord as salvation. In other words, he's giving us time, folks. Mm-hmm. Instead of calling us home now, He's giving us the rest of this day. He's giving us tomorrow to be zealous to be found by him without spot or blemish. And at peace, he's giving us time to reconcile with that person, to reconcile that relationship, to uh, reconcile that uh, situation that we've messed up. He's given us time. His forbearance is for our salvation. John Mark, thanks. 
yeah, joining me again on this. Uh, those of you listening, please go to deepinscripture.org. Not only listen to this, but we'd love to have your thoughts and your comments. If guys, scriptures you'd like us to reflect on, we'd love to hear that, wouldn't we, John Mark? Yeah. And if by any chance you're not uh, on the Coming Home Network mailing list, if you don't receive our Coming Home Network newsletter each month, which features a new conversion story, articles from staff, prayer requests from people on the journey, as well as joyful journey updates from members who have come home to the church and are continuing their, their faith journey. If you don't receive that newsletter, well, you need to go to chnetwork.org slash join and sign up. It's free. It's a wonderful resource. We encourage all members of the network to read the newsletter each month, to pray for those other members who are at tough places on their journey, and then to give away that story and that newsletter to someone else who might be encouraged by it in their faith. Thank you, John Mark, and thank you for joining us, and I look forward for us joining you again next week on another episode of Deep in Scripture. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.